Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is the podcast where you follow the journey of an amateur piano player, aiming to play advanced level pieces one day, specifically Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. But even though we're nearing the year anniversary of the podcast, this is still a distant goal. So until we reach this goal, every week we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the road ranging anywhere from the Baroque period all the way up to modern day. We will explore the history surrounding the work and examine the music within, and hopefully we all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. And then we can build on this foundation so we can all tackle more difficult works in the future. This is episode 13.1. We're breaking new ground in a new type of series. We're going to do something a little different this time around. This podcast is almost a year old, believe it or not. And throughout the year, I've not only learned a lot about making a podcast, but I've also grown as a piano player. So this series will be a bit of a dedication to 2021. We're going to listen to two etudes per episode. One marked level eight by the Royal Conservatory of Music and one marked at level nine. The level 8 etudes were among the first pieces that I recorded in preparation for this podcast, and the level 9 ones were recorded about a year after that. We'll listen to both etudes during the episode in no particular order, and let's see if you can guess which one is the conceptually more difficult work played by the more experienced version of myself. Now we've already seen a handful of etudes during this podcast most recently with one by Philip Glass back in series number 9. And we devoted an entire series to exploring a set of Bergmuller's student etudes back in series 4. The etudes in this series will be a step up from Bergmuller's Opus 100. So if you're a piano player out there like myself, these would make a solid step forward. Keep in mind that etudes are meant to be instructional pieces for students, and are derived from the French word meaning study. While they tend to focus on a specific technique or concept, they range wildly in difficulty, with some of the most difficult etudes, like the ones by Chopin or Rachmaninoff, commonly played during professional concerts. So let's jump into our first pair of etudes. Selection number one for today is a piece by Alec Rowley titled Agitato. This etude comes from Raleigh's Opus 42, titled 30 Melodic and Rhythmic Studies, and this is number 18 out of that 30. Alec Rowley was an English composer of the early 1900s, which would technically place him within the modern period, but he mostly stuck to more classic styles. He attended the Royal Academy of Music in 1908, and later in life, he taught at Trinity College of Music. He mainly wrote for the piano, but his body of work also includes pieces for strings, organ, and oboe. He was most well-known for writing smaller-scale educational pieces, like the etude we're about to hear, but his body of work also includes three piano concertos and two piano sonatas. Rowley died playing tennis at the age of 65, which, if you're a tennis fan like myself, is a huge bummer. I would have assumed it was related to heat exhaustion, but it happened in January. 
I don't like to see someone dying unexpectedly while trying to take care of themselves during exercise. But at least he went out doing something he enjoyed, right? Unless he didn't enjoy tennis, in which case, this really is a bummer. But let's get back to the piece at hand. Agitato is an Italian word meaning, as you might guess, agitated. In music, this instruction translates to playing quickly, with agitation and excitement, creating a rushed, vibrant element. The piece is in D minor, and written in a 3-8 meter, which is evident from the very beginning, with trios of D minor chords in the right hand. So while the right hand is busy playing the accompaniment, that's where we get to the heart of this etude and what it's trying to teach, playing a melody with the left hand. This etude employs an uncommon approach of allowing the left hand to do a lot of the heavy lifting and playing the melody throughout the entire piece. Piano players have a natural tendency to weight the right hand to play more loudly. This could have something to do with the fact that most piano players are human beings, and most human beings are right-handed, or the fact that we're musically conditioned to having the right hand normally play the melody. But here, there needs to be a conscious effort to put the weight in the left hand, to have the melody line sing through, and not be drowned out by the droning chords of the right hand. See if you can pick out that same melody line we just listened to as I add in the right-handed accompaniment. Harmonically speaking, this piece mostly just sits at home in the key of D minor, but it does use a lot of chromaticism. Even the main melody line is based on a descending chromatic theme. Let's hear those chromatic elements as it hits each note down the ladder, a bit slowed down. The central connecting section of this etude is yet another example of descending chromaticism, and it has a gradual slowdown added in for dramatic effect. And after this central connecting section, we have a repeat of the opening, which rounds out the etude and brings it to its close. So let's listen to the first etude of the day. This is Agitato, number 18, from Opus 42, by Alec Rowley.
The second etude we're going to look at today is called May Morning by a composer named Charles Gounod. Gounod was a French Romantic composer who lived during the 1800s, who is best remembered for a work called Funeral March of a Marionette, a piece you might recognize from Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Or, if you're like me, you may have been introduced to it as a child through the show Ren and Stimpy. Aside from his shorter, well-known compositions, Gounod also wrote 12 operas, the most popular being Faust. His work and legacy would end up influencing later French composers, especially Faure, who echoed Gounod's classical purity and refinement. Ravel described Gounod as the true founder of the melody in France. Even Debussy only half insulted him, saying, for all his weaknesses, he is essential. And I think that qualifies as a genuine compliment if we grade on the Debussy curve. May Morning is an etude that is a relentless onslaught of triplet passage work. It's written in a happier key of G major and is a workout for the right hand. The etude is an exercise of dexterity and precision for the right hand, and if I had to guess, was written to strengthen the ring finger. Of all your fingers, the ring finger is the one with the least amount of natural independence, so pieces like this will help increase the agility in the weaker fingers, which definitely appears to be Gounod's goal here, as he marks the piece vivace, which literally means lively, and in music, translates to fast. Because this is essentially a technical exercise for the pianist, the musical elements aren't quite as interesting. The piece pretty much remains in G major throughout, as arpeggios go up and down, and up and down. Having said that, it's probably just best to go ahead and listen to it. A flex of right-handed dexterity. This is May Morning by Charles Gounod.
Alright, that's our first etude pairing. Any guesses on which one is the higher ranked work, played by my more experienced self? In one corner we have Agitato, the minor keyed prelude with the melody carried by the left hand. And in the other corner, May Morning, the cheery, quick-moving, right-handed, arpeggiated workout. Does one stand out to you? Well, the time has come to find out. The etude graded as level 9 from this week is... Yes, it is the Gnaud piece May Morning. Working out all five fingers in the right hand is not an easy technical feat, especially when you're playing with speed. And if you couldn't tell much of a difference between the two etudes, you're probably not alone. These grading systems are completely arbitrary. But it's fun to incorporate a little game into the mix. So we'll try it again next week with another pair. You can find the standalone recordings of the pieces we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks from this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating and reviewing. It's the best way to never miss a new episode, and it really helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thank you, as always, for your time and your ears, and we'll see you next time.